Hey everyone, welcome to the SaaS Sessions podcast. This is our fifth season, and you know we cannot thank you enough for the constant support and the feedback that all of you have given us. Uh, we have launched the SaaS exclusive job board a few months ago, and we have helped people get interviews at different SaaS companies in India. So if you are someone who is looking for a job, you can check out m- many roles that are listed on the portal by the com- by companies like Moinge, Chargebee, G2 Crowd, Wattfix, and more. Right. Uh, and if you are hiring at your SaaS company, so you can also go to the portal, portal and add your listing for free. This portal is accessible to all the fourteen thousand plus listeners of the podcast, plus our website visitors and plus to our newsletter subscribers. So check out the link in the description to visit the SaaS exclusive job portal. So yeah, coming on to our today's guest, uh, Pravin Das. Pravin was a director of products at Inmobi, post which he led the product management at True Factor, which is again a division at Inmobi. And in 2020, Praveen started Factors.ai along with his Inmobi colleagues, like Krishna Swaminathan. So, hey, Praveen, such a pleasure to have you on the show. Hi, Sunil. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Awesome. So, Praveen, I gave a very short intro about you. You just mentioned that, you know, you were at Inmobi for a long, long time. So, can you tell us more about, you know, you and how has been your journey into Inmobi and now, you know, leading a SaaS company in, in the B2B analytics space? Yeah, sure. So I, I, I started my career in the uh, banking and financial services space. So I was a corporate banker for the first three years of my of my career. I was not very happy with, with, the, with the space and wanted to kind of move back to Bangalore, which is when I, I joined Inmobi in 2013. From 2013 to 2020, I was at Inmobi. I was managing all of Inmobi's data platforms, which powered the advertising business. So, so pretty long sort of stint over there. So I learned the ropes of product management at Inmobi. In 2020, I, I moved on to start Factors.ai, which is a B2B marketing analytics product, along with one of my colleagues, at Inmobi and another mutual friend who was at Freshworks prior to starting up with us. Mm-hmm. So that's that's about me. Factors is a early stage sort of startup. We've been in existence for around uh, a year, right? Twenty five member team, primarily based out of Bangalore, and you know, uh, yeah, that's that's about it. Oh, that's <laughs> that's interesting, and you know, I we, I'm sure we can talk about factors today across the episode. But let's let's talk more on the on the why part of. Like, you know, factors.ai and like, what did you see at Inmobi that kind of, you know, pivot, like, you know, that was the pivotal point or that was a tipping point for you and the co-founders to decide that, you know, hey, B2B marketing analytics space is, you know, it's, it's not completely matured enough. And, you know, there is, there is a need of a product, which is factors.ai. So it was around 2019 when Arvind was at Freshworks and they were setting up their internal sort of marketing data lake and uh, data warehouse for them to understand the impact of marketing on business outcomes. They evaluated a bunch of solutions at that time, but they did not find anything which really met uh, met their requirements. And they had to kind of build that in-house. And for a company like Freshworks, that, that would have been feasible. But then our approach was what, what about the rest of the mid-market sort of SaaS and technology companies? So subsequent to that, we did a bunch of research speaking to companies in the US like Palo Alto Networks, MongoDB, Coupa, and, and so on. And we realized that almost everyone follows the same playbook. At some stage, they realized that this is so complex that you have to set up an internal effort to pull down your data from your uh, marketing automation, CRM, website, ad platforms into one centralized data lake, and then add like a BI layer on top. So right. our product kind of does that out of the box. So for a mid-market sort of SaaS company, 
you can get the sophistication of analytics that many of these enterprise companies have in a matter of like one week, one week and a few clicks. All right, that's that's really interesting. And and you know, speaking about like the B two B marketing marketing space as a whole, right? So you've been in the industry within Mobi, and I think Sri Krishna has been there as well, and. And Arvind was at Freshworks uh, for a long time. So uh, you all of all three of you have been in the industry for long to understand or to you know just identify what changed you know in the past five to seven years, right? So what kind of major changes that you have seen, right? Like as like how B two B marketing was analytics was ten years before, and now how it is you know now and maybe how it will be in the next couple of years, right? So what's what's your thought on the change that has uh, occurred in B two B marketing in itself? Yeah, so so that's yeah, it's it's one of those really interesting questions. Like if you look at the current solutions in the market, either on the marketing automation side or on the CRM side, which have lion's share of the market, typically Salesforce uh, as a CRM and Marketo, HubSpot, or Pardot as as marketing automation or or Eloqua, most of them were built in. somewhere in 2000 to 2010 right, uh, right. probably mid mid part of 2000 2005 etc right now at that time one there were very few solutions in the market and marketing's responsibility mostly was brand building and lead generation right so initially it was just brand building during the uh, you know the time when salesforce was launched just say everyone should know what salesforce means and then the inbound era came in where marketing was primarily sort of focused on how do you attract people to your website and how do you make them an offer in return for which you will get their email id and then you would nurture them and either they'll raise their hand and schedule a demo the, the level of engagement would be high enough that marketing would deem it's a qualified lead and pass it to sales right now so given that was a predominant sort of go to market at that time most of these platforms have, are built for that sort of an era like their core assumptions are kind of built for that time on the other hand if you see over the last 10 years the market has sort of completely changed where you now have multiple sort of go to market motions at the same time so you have inbound you have outbound then you have account based marketing which is really coming up uh, where you're saying marketing has to uh, uh, think and talk the same language as a sales team which is accounts not lead so you have these massive shifts in terms of different sort of go to market strategies that are coming up mm-hmm. second is marketing itself is the the metrics for uh, you know the, the kpis that marketing is chasing has moved from leads and mqls to pipeline generated how do you accelerate existing pipeline how do you influence the buying committee in a multi stakeholders purchase how do you actually influence upsell cross sell reduce churn etc so marketing's sort of metrics has moved from top of the funnel to you know really bottom of the funnel beyond acquisition to like engagement and expansion as well right and the third thing is the data signals that are available in the market for marketing to kind of perform this act- activity has also increased right so you have intent data you have de anonymized web traffic data you know like today almost any information about an account is available for marketers to kind of activate right now that leads us to this interesting problem where the systems that were built in 2005 are not able to kind of handle this variety of data and these new use cases and that is where we found a greenfield opportunity to say if you were to build some of these solutions today the underlying data layer and the way you model that data would be very different so that's the mm-hmm. take that we have 
interesting and i was just gonna be you know that was the next next thing i was uh pointing at like you know how in how b2b marketing in itself has changed right like earlier it was just top of the funnel now it's across the funnel even even uh referrals right or expansions as you mentioned so how data capturing you know has been impacted by this change right like what like there would be different types of data or different metrics right that that would have been captured let's say five to ten years ago and now since marketing is involved in all of these different you know stages of the pipeline like they would be responsible for capturing like you know different metrics right and different teams would be responsible for driving those those metrics as they are not inside marketing so how how do you see like data capturing in as a step one right like has changed uh, uh, over over the years right like what kind of metrics were tracked before and what kind of metrics are tracked now as you mentioned that there are different types of data which are also available like intent like intent data de-anonymized traffic and you know traffic based on ip like you know identifying those visitors based on their ips and emails and and whatnot right so how how data capturing has changed according to you yeah so i think the uh first thing that has happened is there is there is a lot of standardization whilst there are different mm-hmm. systems that uh, an enterprise might be using like, let's say 10 15 20 sort of saas systems that you're using there is a lot of standardization that has happened in terms of the interfaces of how to actually pull this data together and that has come in from layers like a segment.com or a rudderstack the entire sort of cdp ecosystem which brings the data together right now beyond kind of connecting to each of these platforms and bringing in so the, the big shift that happens for a marketing because of this change is that they need very clear visibility into the sales funnel, right? Which is what happens after uh, an account is initially engaged by marketing or a lead has been generated and passed over to sales. What are the subsequent actions that happens? What can marketing continue to do to kind of nurture that lead, right? So first thing is you still you need visibility into the sales funnel and it doesn't stop at like a MQL sort of stage which essentially means that the traditional data sets that marketing has, which is your ad platform campaign data, the website data of what happens on the website, what white papers do users download and so on and so forth, has to be connected seamlessly with your marketing automation and your Salesforce data, right? And Salesforce in itself is not like a single sort of uh, data set, right? So you have multiple objects within Salesforce, depending on how uh, the modules that a company is kind of using Salesforce. We have like leads, contacts, campaign member, activity, and then account and opportunity, right? So you need to be able to identify how to kind of connect uh, these sort of uh, individual data sets with the website and sort of marketing automation data. That's like the first piece, right? Uh, the second thing is, you know, we move a lot more towards virtual events, you know, towards formats which are, slightly different from the past. Like for example, there is the entire no form sort of movement, right? That content should not be gated. Content should ideally be given for free, which means that your traditional sort of marketing automation data capture, which is by gating and putting a form in front of all your high high value content kind of goes away. That model Mm. wouldn't really work, right? And for all your virtual events, webinars, now there are a lot more metrics around engagement is the participant asking questions at what point do they kind of log in at what point do they log off and so on and so forth right so there are a lot of signals because of the entire digitization that has happened that can now be kept and once you have those signals you can then kind of use that for powering more personalized marketing campaigns or something as simple as nudging a a, a sales team to say hey this 
account seems to be really engaged. You know, I had one person from that account download two white papers. I had another person attend the webinar and he was very engaged. There were two, three questions that, that came up. We think this is the right time to kind of uh, reach out to them, right? So a lot of like very interesting personalized experiences that can be powered if you can kind of capture all of this data and in a sort of seamless way. Makes sense. So, you know, that, that's definitely important, as you mentioned, right? Like, how do you stitch everything together? But before we uh, move on to that part, just wanted to understand, like, so as you mentioned, right, like different companies or uh, different products would have different GTM types as well, right? Like some would be product-led growth and some are sales-led motion. Some would be following a community-led growth approach. So different products, you know, are getting to the people uh, with different GTM motions right so how does that the the capturing of the data depending on the product right like what what changes or you know what what difference do you see like a company which is selling b2b enterprise with a top-down approach with a sales-led model versus a b2b SaaS company which is like following a product-led growth approach selling bottom-up right so what what like major differences do you see in how the data is captured in between both of them and, and, you know, maybe the data systems that the, these two companies might be using. Yeah. So these, like this, these two ends of the universe, right? Like a product led uh, growth model where you either have like a freemium offering and then upgrade or an individual mm -hmm. plan and the users can upgrade vis-a-vis uh, a 200k annual contract enterprise sale right they are very very different in yeah. terms of how they how they sort of operate and it is uh, belief that it is very hard to cater to both those ends of the market with like a single sort of solution like in the plg model what really matters is you know a lot more around the product signals like is the person who who's coming into your product is he engaging with the product is he you know taking those steps in terms of activation so that you can then kind of reach out to them and and if multiple users from one account are all engaging with the product, then you can kind of go out and reach out to someone senior and, and figure out how to do like an enterprise. On the other hand, in an enterprise sale, that's probably like a six to 12 month sort of cycle where multiple users from that account, each of them having like different motivations and different sort of objectives when they are evaluating a solution would be engaging with your marketing activities, sales activities. And over a matter of 12 months, they are kind of coming to a decision, right? So, so very different sort of go-to-market models. And then there is one model in between, which is the en entire inbound marketing model, typically in an ACV of, let's say, uh, 10 to 40K, 10 to 50K, so to speak. So we are, at least at this point, very squarely focused on you know 10 to 50K ACV sort of bucket. So we do not actually cater to either the enterprise segment or like the PLG segment. There are other very interesting solutions which are coming up for the PLG segment as well, which have been in the news of play, like, like Endgame and a couple of companies from India, like Topline and, and so on and so forth. So we are focused on the marketing-led high volume sort of sales model. And, and that's the segment for which we believe we can uniquely add a lot of value. And I expect that the market will kind of over time have specific solutions for each of these go-to-market models. So even if it is a, a PLG offering, if once they bring in an additional sort of outbound sales model or a ABM model, then I think you would probably need two different solutions to kind of deliver value. Interesting. That's, you know, that's an interesting take on how, you know, where, where you're positioned. And as you mentioned, it's definitely different than, you know, two ends of a, of a stick, right? But yeah, talking about stitching all the data together, right? 
so again like even in even if you consider just one and right as i mentioned like b2b uh, sale that's happening between 10 to 50k with a sales motion in a way so how do you, and they would be collecting data like you know intent data they would the the you know the the customer is different teams or different people from the customer company are visiting the website and engaging with different activities like ebooks maybe white papers or maybe just visiting the blogs we are attending a webinar as as you mentioned right like asking a few questions and and so on and and they would be like you know like say your sdrs and bdrs maybe are talking to them right on calls and they would be capturing some data points there so different you know streams of capturing data and all of this data about just one one account right as you, as you mentioned like marketing in in you know we have to follow or you know it's norm to follow what say like you know be in alignment with sales basically right in terms of how we structure it how we structure the data that we capture so how do you sense or all of this together right to how do you stitch all of this together to make sense out of it right because you don't want you don't want to be lost i believe that you know we we don't want to be lost like you know just looking at different like data points right because there would be so many right <laughs> so how do you make yeah. sense out of all this and not get lost and maybe create a good path to you know just navigate around this yeah so i think there are two sort of challenges over there so one is this this problem of each of these saas solutions like your help desk software your customer success software marketing automation and salesforce have their own sort of database where they're storing all of this information and the first problem is can you just bring all of that into like one place right and that can be like a data warehouse or that can be like a analytics application as i'd mentioned something like a mixed panel amplitude for product analytics or factors for uh, marketing analytics now the second problem is how do you actually model this data very well like so what's the sort of uh, base layer on which you model this data so we have taken this approach of saying accounts and users are equally important right so in many platforms including like your traditional marketing automation platforms it operates with a contact or a person but they don't really give accounts the same level of importance as like a contact or a person right so if you have to record like activities at an account level it's like very hard to kind of do so one foundational change that we have made in our the way they build out our platform is accounts and users are the two main sort of you know entities that we work with mm-hmm. for a user we will be able to then connect all the data across your systems using like an email id or a phone number right so for that same user whatever interactions that you have be it in your webinar platform be it in your uh, help desk software etc we'll be able to kind of pull that into one place and there are today a lot of solutions which help you do that while that was in itself like a big challenge like 2 3 years back now with this entire open source movement and companies like airbyte rudderstack and so on and so forth you know you can rely on the existing sort of solutions out there in the market without having to kind of build integrations with each of these platforms right so pulling that data in is relatively straightforward the more complex pieces how do you actually contextually stitch this data to say this person is part of this account at this account level i have got additional information in terms of let's say this account just raised their cdc funding or they hired like a new ceo or a cmo they onboarded a new software like let's say what fix or or they on implemented salesforce right now how do you actually capture those signals at an account and user level so that it's very easy for you to kind of contextually take action on it i think that is now becoming like a bigger problem bringing the data in one place i think that problem is either already solved to a large extent or will get solved in an accelerated manner over the next 1 to 2 years 
Got it. And I think this, this, you know, makes me think about the, the data 3.0, as we were talking about earlier, right. In, in our previous conversations. So, so like the first, first movement that happened, let's say 10 years ago, it was just capturing, right? Like all these systems mm-hmm. were built around capturing the data as much data as possible, right? As you mentioned, say a CRM, like a, like a customer support platform, like Zendesk or a marketing automation platform, like Pardot and and all of these different systems that you know you're using for different activities are having their own data right so capturing was the thing that you know companies or products were solving for data capturing then there, then came a time where you know as you mentioned like there are companies like segment and we, or other customer data platforms which are like cap- putting all the data together in uh, in a warehouse in a bucket or anywhere right? they like all the data at one place right about any particular yeah. lead or any particular account and then I know that there are like the third, that was, let's say the data 2.0 part. And maybe now we are entering like a phase where, you know, we have captured the data, we have fixed it together and now how do we deliver it? Right. So it's like the 3.0 can be like focusing on the delivery aspect of it. Right. Uh, now I know that, you know, the BI tools like Tableau and my power BI have been there for long and, you know, Excel has been there for like decades, but then how it, Despite that, I feel that, you know, it's, it's something that you have to learn as a, as a marketer or as a person, if you have to even use any of these three tools, right? That's one. And secondly, I also feel that the, the, there's a notion in the market, which is moving towards like, you know, less hassle, but like, you know, without any hassle, you build uh, what you want, right? Like there, in terms of building an app, there are no code platforms to build an app. If it talks a website, there are no code tools to build a website, right? So in terms of, let's say in, in this context, let's talking about data. So is the, the data 3.0, like, you know, uh, fun- notion that is gonna happen is, is it will, will it be around, around delivery, right? Like according to, I mean, this is a random thought, which I had, but will it be around delivery and and if yes, then then what what makes you you know think about that it will be around delivery? Yeah, so I strongly agree with what you said, which is to say that there is a lot of investment now that has happened into capturing all of the data that a business is generating. And initially, you are capturing it in individual platforms and bringing it together in like a data warehouse or you know some place where you can kind of record it. Now, the reality in most cases is that once you record that data in a data warehouse. Um, less than 10% of it would be used by business users, right? So there is right. a big gulf between the data that is captured and available and yep. for business users to kind of access that data. And that happens because of two, three reasons, right? So in in most contexts for a business user, either they have like a single question, like for example, if I take a marketing team, they'd have like a question like, how is my website behavior different from prior sign-up users to, you know, users who sign up for my demo form, right? How is the website behavior of the users from industry A uh, different from industry B? Or which webinars or eBooks most resonates with uh, VP of product as a, as a persona that you're targeting versus VP of finance as a persona? So these are questions which a marketer really, you know, is important for them to kind of structure the marketing campaigns in the right way. But the moment you have to translate these questions into like an analysis, right? That's where things kind of break down, right? So traditional sort of BI solutions are great for measuring your top KPIs. So if you have a KPI like new users, number of demos, number of signups, so mm-hmm. it's almost like your dashboard in a car where you know that all the all the main things are going well, right? You know, it's, it's all working fine. For that purpose, like a BI layer, 
uh, where you can just track some metrics over time and you can you get, you know that you are okay i'm i'm you know going in the right direction that problem is relatively well solved today the problem that is underserved is when you have a question around hey why did this drop how is this segment different from another segment now that is where it becomes really hard to kind of use existing solutions you should have thought about every question that you are likely to have upfront and then structured your bi layer according to that for you to kind of answer those questions the moment mm-hmm. you run into like a question for which uh, your bi layer doesn't have the answer uh, or the data point for that you have to go back to your data warehouse and that goes into this entire cycle of waiting on like a data engineering resource and so on and and this is a space where we believe that verticalized analytic solutions will continue to deliver a lot of value for business users and over time you would have very specialized analytic solutions for each business stakeholder so there'd be something right. for the marketing team for the finance team for the sales team because each one is asking different questions of the data and for one sort of platform would be relatively hard right so and that's where again the power of ai and machine learning can also be leveraged so even in the bi space you've seen like a pretty big shift from static dashboards to systems like thoughtspot which are far more sort of intelligent mm-hmm. and intuitive and our vision is very similar to say if you hyper specialize for like a vertical like b2b marketing you can provide your analytics product with enough intelligence that it can automatically answer a lot of questions for a marketer right so almost like an alexa experience where a marketer can come in and just ask like a question of saying hey this is what is top of the mind for me today and a product should be able to analyze most of the underlying data and come back and say hey these are the recommendations that i have and it should mm-hmm. also take feedback from the user of saying this was interesting this was not interesting and then over time learn to like get better right so that's the vision mm-hmm. that we have for an analytics product which is beyond static dashboards and just tracking kpis but really answering more second order questions of of why is this different what happened over here etc and delivering value to a user sort of instantaneously awesome i think you know i think uh, factors that ai fit right well into the data 3.0 revolution which you know we just spoke about but yeah really really interesting to you know see how how it will be you know shaped up into like a be- better delivery of data right as you mentioned alexa for analytics right like you ask a question with like you know two three or four layers of of you know data points and then you still get an answer that that would be something very much useful for the board as well i feel like the executive team because they they often ask i'm sure they of, would often ask random questions on why is it happening and how can we figure this out and can we predict right maybe and and like do you believe also think that you know prediction is also like a delivery because i was just while you were talking about you know different data for different teams and in a way right and and i was thinking from an exec- executive standpoint right like so i i would definitely want to know how is like you know up my up future looks like right like how how do i let's say for how does the future look like for this particular campaign right it's going to going up it's going to going down i'm sure that you know there would be multiple data points involved even to you know calculate uh, calculate that on different level as you mentioned but is 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 prediction also like a part of like a delivery you would say or we still have like you know four to five years to get there and that would be like the data 4.0 or so on 
No, I actually believe predictive analytics will be part of the current sort of revolution of analytics products itself. So for example, like marketing teams today, when they are, you know, in, in many companies, we know that when they are uh, trying to, or planning like a new marketing activity, they do something as simple as looking looking at the last 10 times they, that they ran a similar activity like a webinar and kind of extrapolating to say, hey, this activity should get us so much sort of responses, right? So they are actually forecasting at every level. So from a campaign planning level, they're forecasting saying this webinar should get so many sort of accounts engaged. And, and likewise for all your campaigns, which then roll up into like a, a pipeline generation target for a, for a marketing team, right? Likewise on the sales side, revenue forecasting from pipeline has been like a problem, which, you know, they've, uh, a lot of solutions have focused on quite, quite a bit. Mm -hmm. So I believe that ultimately all of the data that is collected, curated and managed at a account and user level would be finally used from a predicting and recommendations sort of aspect because right. that's you can really take action right saying hey this account actually believe there is a opportunity and the engagement levels are low lower than what has historically been the case for you know opportunities that you have closed mm -hmm. so you probably want to kind of reach out to these two individuals so i believe that the current revolution itself will bring in predictive capabilities into analytics and then recommendations which are hyper targeted yeah. for like the marketing team and the sales team Makes sense. That, that's really interesting. And, you know, I would love to see that happen and probably, you know, get my hands on a platform like that. But, you know, just so, yeah, coming on to the last uh, section for the episode, for this episode. So I have like three lightning questions for you, Praveen. And are you ready for those? Yeah. <laughs> interesting. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. So what's the one thing that has helped you shorten your learning curve? So I, I discovered uh, podcast pretty late and actually audio as a format to kind of consume content uh, both in terms of audible as well as podcast quite quite late I think last one two years is when I've uh, really kind of gone into that space and that's really helped me a lot right? so I just realized that through audio I'm able to read as many books even when I'm out for a jog or like you know the the, the productivity levels in terms of the content that I'm able to consume has like kind of substantially gone up so I definitely say adopting audio as a as a means of content consumption is, is one way that I've been able to improve my, you know, breadth of topics that I cover. Like today through podcasts, you can access like, you know, conversations that, you know, the, the, the people that you really admire in the, in the space of your choice are, are having, right? So generally really help to kind of expand my own universe and perspective. That's really nice. And, you know, now being a guest on the podcast also adds, adds on to that, I, I guess. But awesome. So yeah, second one, like, what do you know about your work now that you wish you would have known when you first started? Yeah. So, so I, within factors, I take care of product management. So that's the, the core aspect that I, uh, I take care of. I think one thing that I hugely underestimated was the power of simplicity, right? So as a, uh, as a product manager, there's always this urge to kind of build a solution which kind of caters for almost all possible use cases that you can imagine. But then, you know, now what I've realized over the last three, four years that simplicity and catering to like that 80% of the market and giving up on 20% of the market, you know, just kind of acknowledging that you don't have some solution, uh, some, some parts of the puzzle uh, figured out and you're not going to kind of pick up uh, those pieces, but optimizing for simplicity, right? Saying anybody who comes into the product would be able to kind of use that product. That is far more valuable than once they start using the product, they realize that there is this one aspect which is not there. If it comes at the cost of simplicity, then it's probably not worth doing is something which I realized quite late. 
So initially there was this uh, urge mm-hmm. to kind of solve for every scenario that comes to your mind or that is raised by a customer. But now I think we have a lot more measured in terms of saying this flow doesn't work, uh, but that's okay. That's by design. It's fine. Oh, wow. That's, that's really interesting. And, and then the last one, right? Like I'm sure there, uh, there would be many people who would be inspiring you, but anyone that comes on top of your mind from the Indian SaaS ecosystem. I think Indian SaaS ecosystem, it would definitely be Girish of Freshworks. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I have uh, uh, heard him speak uh, a couple of times, uh, once at a offsite at Inmobi and once at SaaS Boomi. And mm-hmm. also lucky to have him as an angel investor in our company. And uh, I mean, they, they, we've spoken a few times, but each one of those conversations, I'd say, were very, very impactful, purely in terms of his ability to kind of cut through the noise and get to like the crux of the problem, I think, you know, really kind of impactful. Another person I would also kind of call out is Krish from Charles B. Again, right. uh, mm-hmm. I've spoken to him two to three times, but, you know, learned a lot in, in those 30 to 45 minutes that we that we got to spend with him. Awesome. So yeah, definitely two people that I, I respect and admire quite a bit. Awesome. That, that's really nice. And I'm sure like, you know, those, those two definitely inspiration for me personally and for, you know, a lot of people listening on to the episode. So yeah, thanks a lot, Praveen, for, you know, taking time and doing this. I think this was a really insightful episode around B2B marketing analytics and, you know, how you should be looking at and, you know, a heads up for the, for the people listening to watch out for the data 3.0 revolution that, that is coming up. <laughs> Thanks, Anil. Thanks for having me. It was really great chatting with you and uh, look forward to kind of engaging with you and uh, wider community. 